Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shadowpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are you doing today, Amon? I'm doing pretty well, man. I feel like the fun's about to begin. The fun certainly is about to begin. We've made some upgrades on the podcast equipment as of late, which is very exciting. We're going to be paying off some some loans for a while with the Patreon, but it's okay. We hope you guys are going to benefit at home, and I know you're excited, Amon. Yeah, I'm super excited. Big shout out to our patrons, which we'll get into a little bit more detail soon. But the fact that I was able to finally match Jesse's sexy voice mm. because I got the exact same mic he did. So very exciting. Yeah. And this will help us do a lot on the back end too, because we, we do do a lot of post-production and stuff. And now we know exactly what we're working with, which is very exciting. It feels like it's been a while, Mon, since we did the show, but it really hasn't because we did that bonus episode, which is nice. And you know, we're still posting on time, hopefully when you're hearing this, but a lot has happened in the game since we last did a primary episode. That's right. Yeah, a ton has happened. There's been, I guess, all the content creators and the guys who are getting preview copies got a bunch of stuff. So the Facebooks, that's right, and the Instagrams and the Discords have been flooded with pictures, images. For example, my local store got our store copy and they were like, hey, we need help building this. I was like, I'll take it home and build it. And so I actually <laughs> have the stuff like right. I'm looking at it, you know. That's amazing. And I've built some of it already. And so I'm supposed to build all of it by tomorrow, which I've done most of it. So it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, that is extremely exciting. And then on top of that, all these demo copies out in the world for stores, there was a bunch of May 4th news for the game I'm on that just came out of left field. And to say I'm excited is an understatement about this announcement. Yeah, it's a very cool one. It's the you cannot run dual path. There is no more embittered rivalry than the one between Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader the Emperor's most terrifying enforcer and apprentice. Their duels have shaped the very course of history, clashing with unmatched intensity. Each knows every strength and weakness of the other. Mm, Some great flavor text written on that box. And yeah, it was really exciting to hear AMG bring this out in the world. First of all, we saw the picture. Crazy. What a May 4th announcement this was. And Amon, let's just talk real quick what the dual pack is. So It is almost analogous to the rival panels from MCP, if you're an MCP player at all. But essentially, AMG gave us a definition. They said, dual packs will showcase scenic elements and characters from iconic moments in Star Wars to allow miniature hobbyists to capture and engage with shelf candy products. They also said, we developed the You Cannot Run alongside the Jedi Hunter's Inquisitor pack, both drawn directly from the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And what's cool about these dual packs I'm on is we had no idea these were coming to the game. Now it's kind of mind-blowing where it's like, these are a big thing in MCP. And I'm kind of curious to see what they do with more of these in the future for Star Wars. But essentially, you get a terrain piece, a diorama where the models slot in, and then you get two unique models. And yes, they are unique models. They're not just alt sculpts of like Corset Obi-Wan and an alt sculpt of you know, the Vader that they did show that is coming later that we presume is an Empire Vader. These are completely different models altogether. Yeah, it's very exciting. They actually have con- been confirmed that they will be different miniatures, and some of them may be in different classifications. For example, as befitting his stature and his power level during the show, Vader will be a primary unit. And in this particular moment in the show, before Obi-Wan becomes Jesus later... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, in this moment, is the first time I think he f- comes face-to-face with Anakin after Mustafar. And so he is a secondary unit 
in this box set. Absolutely. Which my brain got turning immediately. Where I was like, wait, can I run this Obi-Wan with Anakin primary from core set? Yes, I can. If I can make that work point wise, I will try to make it work. Just fun, unique. It's kind of like that Padawan Ahsoka we know is coming later. That's definitely not a primary. But to make matters even better, Amon, they also explained that this pack is multi-era. They said that because of where it is in the timeline of Star Wars and because of where the characters are in just this snapshot, that this Obi-Wan and this Vader can be either Clone Wars era, match your Clone Wars era squads, or match your original trilogy squads, which I also think is super cool. And I immediately thought of this Vader with the 501st clones and how cool would that be thematically. Yeah, I think it's super cool. I'm very excited to storm the Jedi Temple, if you will. Um, a little different, but also kind of one and the same. But this isn't the only news that was shared by AMG. In fact, we found out about this particular duel a bit earlier and, of course, unintended because they had dropped the Jedi Hunter squad pack, which, if you had watched the Kenobi show or if you're familiar with Inquisitors in general, consists of the Grand Inquisitor, Reva. I think it's the third sister and the fourth brother. Looks pretty cool to me. Yeah, they, of course, showed us a picture at Adepticon, which was super exciting and Mon and I covered in the show. But now, the fact that they're actually dropping this bomb on us that not only are these models coming out, these models are coming out very soon. These are going to be some of the earliest expansions for the game because they did confirm this dual pack of Obi-Wan versus Vader and this Inquisitor pack. Both come out in July, which is nuts, Simon, because I already thought Grievous and Luminara was enough, and I was super excited about those two boxes, being a Grievous and Luminara fan, and also seeing what they were going to do with the game. But now they're just like, yeah, they're try like a bunch more characters in July. Yeah, it's insane. We get Grievous, Luminara, the Sith Inquisitors, and the You Cannot Run dual pack on July 7th. Yeah, and Shatterpoint, it's boxes, you know? It's not like our MCP background where it's like a character or two in a box. I mean, Shatterpoint is like a full squad, right? So, I mean, it's Grievous's full squad, Luminara's full squad. I mean, of course, Barris is there, Luminara's Padawan. I, I think she'll make a splash in the game. More clones. Of course, Grievous comes with more droids, which is excellent. And then now we've got the situation with these Inquisitors, which I still find so fascinating, Amon, that they went the route they did. What, what Schick said at Adepticon, where it's like the Inquisitor box is going to be one of those multi-character boxes where you can swap models in and out for, I'm assuming, the secondary and support roles, with the Grand Inquisitor being the primary. He said that that's like an interesting direction they're going. And I think the other only other example we have of that is the Padawan Ahsoka that's coming later with Master Plo, where it's like there's two secondaries in that box, I would presume, with Commander Wolf. Yeah, well, it's not confirmed on whether or not she's in the box or not, but it looked like maybe it was because of with the, that art, with that art and that slide. But this one's really interesting, and I can't remember where I heard Schick talk about it because he's been on a ton of stuff. I know we've been consuming it all, so <laughs> yeah. But I do recall him specifically stating that Riva is the secondary, but fifth brother and third sister will be like you get to choose which supporting character you want to play with. That's super cool. Yeah. My favorite thing about this box, though, is the fact that it offers alternate head sculpts. So, obviously, I'm going to go... It does. Yeah. Did you did you see it on the back? Mm-mm. Okay. So, check it out when you have a chance. But there's two head swaps for the Grand Inquisitor, where you can have the traditional Rebel's elongated face. But Very you, cool. It's very cool. But if you like the Kenobi show, you get the more humanoid, rounder, realistic-looking face as well. Interesting. That's yeah. awesome. And then for Fifth Brother, it's very similar. Obviously, it's trying to do the delineation between Rebels and the Kenobi show, yeah. but the expressions are a little different as well. But 
I think I'm just going to go with full Rebels looks, I think. I probably am too. But I don't know. Fifth Brother is really interesting because I kind of liked the live action actor for Fifth Brother. Yeah. Isn't that Han from Fast and Furious? Yes. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I, when I saw him, I was like, hell yeah. Well, they didn't really do much. <laughs> he had a cool voice. Yeah. That is what it is. I'm sure we'll see more of those Quisitors in the future in live action. Yeah. Us doing this big of a news segment at the top of the episode is insane, but I mean, it, it is what it is. All this is coming out, and I guess we haven't talked about the sculpts of Obi-Wan and Vader, and I will briefly, but I think they're insane sculpts. I think they're like some of the best sculpts that AMG has done. That's somebody who owns all their models in the Marvel Crest Protocol line and loves those models. Yeah, the moment I saw it, I was like, well, hey, Jesse's going to love this sculpt of Obi-Wan. It's good. It's amazing. And then this Vader sculpt is sick. But then also I was like, wow, this actually, Jesse's going to love this even more because it looks like him. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, this Obi-Wan looks more like me than even that Corset Obi-Wan because, of course, the, the Corset Obi-Wan, just like you were kind of giving him the examples of the Inquisitors, Amon, he is most certainly more based off of his Clone Wars angular appearance than, of course, his live action appearances, right? And I like where they've kind of bridged the gap. And I think Amon, we're talking, me and Amon, we're talking about this off mic a lot, but I'm so curious now to see this game artistically where they go with the art, with the sculpts for characters that are only live action. And this Obi-Wan is an example of that. Ewan in this state in his 50s looks a certain way and they drew some really amazing stylistic art and made a stylistic mini that looks like Ewan, but also has kind of a style to it as well. And I really think it fits the ethos of the style of the game. Yeah, it's fantastic the way that they've come about that and the artists and the sculptors and I guess maybe they do things 3D now with 3D sculptors, but they mentioned that they had worked hand in hand with Lucas Films. That's right. And that this was actually a secret internally as well. They were using like code words internally. And I believe like Shatterpoint, the code word for the game was called Fulcrum when they were designing it. That's right. And then you're having code words within code words, right? Because apparently not everybody could know, which is really cool to see. Yeah, because Shik said that like a very small group of the team did the Kenobi stuff and no one else knew about it, which is just insane. Yeah. Imagine like you work for AMG, you've been working on Shatterpoint, and then one day you, you just see this announcement and Will's <laughs> like, gotcha. That's right. Oh, it's very good stuff, Amon. Well, that's all of our news before we get into today's primary episode. Yeah, but I have a question for you. Yeah. Now that we know dual packs exist, Jesse, I need you to give me a duel that you want to see created and shipped as shelf candy. Well, I, I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I think I already said this on the show, but I'm going to say it again. And I think you know where we're going with this, the duel of fates, right? Because the terrain, I think especially could, could benefit from this. But more importantly, you and I were discussing on the primary feed and the bonus episodes where it's like, how do we get Qui-Gon and Padawan Obi-Wan in the game? How do we get Apprentice Mall in the game? Other than them having their own packs, I think this is a perfect way to do it, right? I mean, kind of builds itself. It's it's a little too easy, honestly. Yeah, charge me 120 bucks and I'd still buy it <laughs> twice. Right. And what an amazing piece that they could add actual playable platforms for the game, multi-platforms, like in the generator room, right? And also a shelf candy piece where it's like, oh, you've got, you know, like Qui-Gon and and Darth Maul on an upper platform and Obi-Wan got knocked down because Maul backhanded him and knocked him down two platforms, right? And Obi-Wan's looking up or something. Like you could do a lot of stuff with it. Or you could just make the like the laser walls, you know, to the generator room. You could do whatever you want. I, I think that's a strong contender for something that most people would probably consider buying. I agree. That of course leads to what would you choose, Amon? Because there's too many good duels in Star Wars. 
Yeah, there's a ton of good duels. I obviously would have said Duel of Fates if you hadn't. Okay. But if we're going to stick to the prequel theme, I'd love to see Mace Windu versus Darth Sidious. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, just having Mace Windu kind of having his lightsaber out and then Palpatine. In fact, it could be fun to do like, maybe you can get Kid Fisto in there as well, right? Before he gets one shot for no reason. Yeah. Just his body on the terrain. (laughs) 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 Poor guy. Master Ekoth, like Kid Fisto just... I feel like Ekoth e- e- makes a shout out in every single one of our episodes. Well, it's because he's a nobody and we want to, we want him to be a somebody. That's right. Yeah. That'd be cool. Another one could be a fun one could be like Maul versus Pre Vizsla. There we go. That'd be cool. I mean, you want to go deep cut here. That could be really cool. You could do early Maul. So not Lord Maul, not Apprentice Maul, but early Maul in the kind of powered up Savage Press versus Sidious with the two sabers. That's a clone. That's a very big Clone Wars battle. Sith on Sith, you know, cool stuff. But yeah, you could also do Darth Maul, Savage Press, Obi Wan, and Adi Gallia. Yeah, she's a cool character. Yeah, I'm surprised she hasn't come up yet on the show. But yeah, there's a lot of routes you could go. I think I, I think the coolest part of this feature going forward is they can fill gaps. So yeah, I think. Amon is right. I think a Mace versus Sidious would make a lot of sense because maybe they don't want to make Sidious in a standard box format because they're making Palpatine, presumably, right? But this would be a perfect way to make Sidious, which is what I want. I actually want to see Sidious in a game. I never see Sidious in any of these games. It's always Palpatine. It's always like the leader of the Empire Palpatine, you know? I would love to see the aggro fighting saber yeah. lightning Sidious, you know? And they just named the box Unlimited Power. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could even have an alt sculpt of Anakin in there, you know, like Revenge of the Sith Anakin. Yeah, I guess you could have a different way you can build Mace, one without his hand and one with his hand. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. We'll have to brainstorm on some OT stuff because there's some also some amazing original trilogy stuff you could you could sneak in there as well. That's right. Well, I think enough speculation and that's right. Wishing what we can see in the future. We should probably jump into our, I guess, main topic, which is covering General Anakin Skywalker, Rex, and the Clone Troopers. But before we do that, I do have a couple shout outs I need to make. Hello there is supported by Mr. Laser at mr-laser.square.site, your resource for everything Shatterpoint. If you want to get all the stuff we talked about and more, you can get them at an amazing price with great shipping. So check out our sponsor. And of course, our patrons support us at patreon.com slash lowtherecast. If you enjoy the show and like to help us grow and join our Discord community, consider joining. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support and all their future support. That's right. And so we're going to start with our Padawan level, which is James, Jordan, and Chris. And then, of course, we have the Jedi Knight Sith Warrior level, which is Philip, Paul, and Pierre. But Jesse, there's more. There is more. It's very exciting. We have to thank our producers, but more importantly, I said producers. We have broad balance to the force. That's right. Huge shout out to Rusty, who upped his pledge from a Jedi Knight, which was already very generous and amazing. And he went full Jedi Master. He grew all the way into a master overnight. And now Rusty is a producer of the show. So we have to thank Rusty, our new producer, Jedi Master. And we have to thank Kevin, our Emperor Sith producer. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We have like Emperor Kevin in our Discord and then Rusty Jedi Survivor. So he's hiding. He's in hiding. He's He's hiding from Kevin. Oh, man, it's good. But yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. These two individuals are really making the show happen because producers really do help us 
build towards our goals and help us pay off all these bills. So we thank you guys so much. Facts. All right, Amon, let's get into our primary episode today, which of course is returning to the core set, returning to our primary character box centric episodes. And if you're new here, what we do on these box episodes is we cover an entire squad in the game and we have broken up the core set into the squads that AMG has kind of dictated to us. So, so far we're two squads in, we've got two more squads to go. And of course, today we are on the light side of the force and we are covering General Anakin Skywalker's squad. And yes, I said General Anakin Skywalker because that is his name in this game because it is Anakin at the peak of his powers in the Clone War. So we're going to start off with lore real quick on Anakin. So Anakin's a tough lore. (laughs) He is a primary character of Star Wars and that is saying it lightly because we have a lot of primary characters of Star Wars, but he is one of the primary characters. So quick summary of him of course he was a force sensitive human male who was a jedi knight and of course worked for the galactic republic was also the prophesized chosen one of the jedi order that supposedly would bring balance to the force and he was the hero of the clone wars quite honestly he was the hero of the clone wars so much so that the republic used him for propaganda and everything unfortunately some things go awry with anakin And eventually he becomes the alter ego Darth Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith, and kind of becomes a different person entirely, which is one of the main sticking points of Star Wars. But covering Anakin real quick early on in life, he was a virgin in the Force. He was born of the Force, which is wild, to his mom, Shami. And he was a slave on Tatooine, which, of course, Tatooine is not bound by the laws of the Republic, anti-slavery laws. And, of course, we know the story with Qui-Gon finding Anakin. Anakin earns his freedom through the pod race and helps them win the Battle of Naboo in episode one. But we also know what happens to Qui-Gon, the father that Anakin needed, the father that Anakin never had. And Obi-Wan takes up the mantle because his master asks him to. Obi-Wan now becomes this weird relationship with Anakin where he is his father, but also kind of his brother and his peer. And it just makes training very different from what have been under Qui-Gon, right? On top of all of that, the Jedi Council fears Anakin. Let's just say, we'll say it like that, right? <laughs> like episode two onward, a lot of the Jedi Council is worried about Anakin's quite literally raw power and his impulsive, rash, arrogant nature. And his, you know, he has a big ego and it helps him get out of a lot of situations, but also gets him in a lot of trouble. And it's also very anti-Jedi, especially through the lens that they are thinking the Jedi should be at that time. Well, Anakin, as you said, is like huge, right? He's arguably the most important character in Star Wars. I mean, and I say arguably because Luke, right? But but I mean, George has even said it's about Anakin, you know? That's fair. George has said like the tragedy of Darth Vader is the story of Star Wars. Well, if George says it, then yeah, then for sure. I've always said Anakin's the main character, but there are people out there who will throw a shoe at me if I say that. So mm. big fan of him. One of my favorite parts about this particular snapshot of Anakin, the general, is that he is always pushing his limits, but in ways that are unconventional, that are exciting, and I think probably gave the Jedi around him, including his master, Obi-Wan, pause, because he kind of made everything work out, even when he was winging it. And honestly, all the time, right? Like, it it was really cool. And what I really like about watching General Anakin is the fact that he's a good friend, right? He's compassionate. He's caring. He's obviously that badass warrior that we all expect him to be. Mm-hmm. But when watching the Clone War series, he like cared about individual clones. Obviously, he cares for Ahsoka. He cares for Rex, of and course. he goes out of his way to protect people. And then when you know, for example, even with um, even with Echo, you know, when Rex says, "I'm going to go on this mission," Anakin's like, "Yeah, I'm coming with you because you're my friend." 
That's right. And I like that a lot. Yeah, it's 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 a tenet of his personality, right? Is that he, despite all his flaws, he also has all these pros, right? And unfortunately, it ends up being his downfall in a lot of ways because he is so driven by his emotions. And he also, like Amon said, it's amazing to watch him work because he does wing it a lot and it works out. Part of that's the will of the force. Part of that's his raw power. Part of that's his heroic nature, all kind of working in tandem. But in the end, that hurts him because he's, it's like he's won so many times that, you know, of course, in Revenge of the Sith, he has the vision of losing Padme, his wife and his children and childbirth. And, you know, Anakin hasn't really lost a lot since he's become a Jedi. He's lost a lot before that, you know, he's lost so many people important to him, namely his mother and Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order, that this vision of Padme and his losing Padme and his children just tease him up for Palpatine. Just tease him right up because he cannot fathom losing the people he cares about the most. And he'll do anything to make a deal with the devil to get around that, you know? Yeah, I think it's Anakin himself is a very interesting character study because it's like classic lack of, you know, mother, lack of father issue that you'll see. Mm -hmm. Very similar tendencies with other people out there. Not to say that everybody experiences the same things. We're not putting anyone in a box, but ultimately, like, there's a reason why these patterns exist in psychology. And as someone who is very interested in that concept, like, you can tell, you know, Anakin has had so much loss, so much lack of attention, and I guess forced detachment through the Jedi way that his natural response is to like grab on and hold the people in his life around him. That's right. You know, we talked about this either on the bonus episode or either on a primary episode where we were saying like the reason why Ahsoka has blue lightsabers is because it's Anakin's way of like controlling her safety by giving her these blue lightsabers, but right. then also like I use a blue lightsaber, so so you will too, right? <laughs> and, yeah. It's good. No, it's really good. It's he's a really complex character. I mean, I I truly find his downfall amazing writing and poetic. He has a vision of his wife and children dying, and he pledges his allegiance to the Dark Lord of the Sith, the devil, quite literally, to do anything to save them from dying. But inadvertently, him going down that path is what actually ends up getting his wife killed and him separated from his children, him almost dying, right? And losing his agency and a lot of his body, then becoming the fist of the emperor onward, you know, becoming a servant, you know, and it's, it's very tragic. And that's, what's amazing about his story is Anakin's story is very heroic and then it leads to tragedy. And then of course we got Darth Vader's story, which is a whole nother character, which we'll cover in the future. And Darth Vader's story is another tragic story that leads to back to being a hero in the end. So it's like, he has to, he's kind of like hero down to tragedy, then tragedy back up to hero again, you know? And it's, it's quite amazing, honestly. It's why he is the center of the Star Wars storyline. Absolutely. But again, I think one of my favorite versions of Anakin is the hero, the general. And so very excited to go over this card. Absolutely. And that's the Anakin we have today, which is him in the middle of the Clone Wars being the hero that he is. So Amon, let's go through his stats and abilities first before we get into his forms and his damage tree, like we always do. He's our most expensive character in the game so far at a cost of seven squad points. But with that cost comes a force pool of four that just comes with Anakin alone, which is very impressive. But closing out his stats, before we get into the discussion on these stats, he has a stamina of 11 and a durability of three, putting him at a whopping 33, which is kind of insane. And his keywords are very interesting, but they're exactly where you would think they would be. He's part of the 501st. He's a force user, Galactic Republic, and Jedi. Yeah, off the bat. It's kind of counterintuitive in the way that you'd look at numbers. Even though he's seven, he's actually the most expensive because... That's how this game works. That's right. He has less points to play with when building his supporting units. And thankfully, 
the way the rest of the units that we're going to talk about today will add up to seven. And so it's almost as if it was designed that way, but (laughs) it's really cool to see Anakin be represented by the force of nature that he truly is. And so, yes, you might take less supporting units, but at the end of the day, wherever Anakin goes, it's the Anakin show. But what's really interesting is the fact that he's got four force that he comes with, right? And so you have, on average, let's just say hypothetically, everybody's three, right? Thus far, playing with Anakin, you have one more force available for you and your units than your opponent, which is kind of exciting and is a fair trade-off for the fact that, in theory, one of your units may be potentially, theoretically weaker than your opponent's. Yeah, absolutely. Anakin's just going to pull more weight, right? And we're about to get into how he does that. But also, I'm on this 33 health. It's the highest in the core set. It is the highest in the core set. And I think a lot of that is plot armor because it's Anakin Skywalker and he kind of has to live. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, also, he's just like, he's a menace, bro. And we're going to get into that very shortly. Yeah. (laughs) So speaking of him being a menace, let's get into these abilities, Amon. So his first ability is an active ability called Force Jump. Costs one force. Each character in this unit may jump. This is super exciting because Ahsoka and Maul both have force speed. Makes a lot of sense that Anakin has force jump. I do like the fact that this kind of ties well into the verticality that Shatterpoint provides in the core box. You know, force jump is effectively the same as using a jetpack on a Mandalorian, right? Yeah. All the pros and cons that come with it. But ultimately, what I really like about this is if forever, whatever reason during board setup, there is an objective at the top of a building, maybe on the second or third level, and he can get to, can get to it very easily and contest that versus maybe someone who does not have the ability to jetpack or, or force jump. Yeah, it's really strong. I mean, we've, we've talked about how strong it is, but I think what's interesting about force jump instead of force speed is, you know, those characters that don't have jump, they have to climb, right? Amon is one of their actions, right? And this mm-hmm. is just ignoring that in a way where it's you're like, you're just, you're not taking that action. You still got your actions left, right? So this is helping you get somewhere higher extremely fast and then you've still got two actions to do whatever you want to do that's right so you're not limited by verticality yeah not limited by verticality at all which also makes sense because anakin does like to jump sometimes to his own detriment <laughs> that's right don't try it yeah well we'll get to the high ground i'm sure eventually but please his next ability is a reactive ability called i'm going to end this it costs two force Pricey. Very pricey, but worth, as you're going to see soon. After this unit makes a combat action, it may use this ability. One character in this unit may make an attack targeting one of the same enemy characters within range and line of sight. The coveted double tap. There it is. The coveted double tap. Absolutely. As of the core box, Anakin is the only character in the game who can swing twice. Right. And it's a innate rule state they've baked into the game where you can't really get off more than one attack in a typical rule state. So this is his fun way of breaking the basic rules. It's actually a little bit more nuanced than that because Mm -hmm. some characters do have the ability to make five dice attacks, right? Right. But we're going to get to the attack pool dice later, shortly, but you can imagine Anakin's not rolling five dice because he's this offensive powerhouse. So instead of maybe some characters being able to roll seven or six dice and then a five dice attack we might see anakin roll seven dice back to back or eight dice back to back which is candidly incredible yeah they're doing a ability that gives them some amount of dice to do something right he is literally just getting another attack action right Like, because you're choosing what you're attacking with right so he's got options and those other characters don't like we talked about it is very cool that maul and ahsoka have things like that but 
triggers have to happen and then they do the set number of dice after those triggers happen, right? His trigger is, do you want to tap them again? And do you have the force to do it? That's all it is. It's not really a hard trigger to do. So I find it very cool. But I'm sure we'll talk more about the power and nuance of this ability when we get into his attacks. But continuing with his abilities, he has a reactive ability called Deflect. After a ranged attack targeting Anakin is resolved, this unit may use this ability. If the attack contained one or more failure results, the attacking unit suffers two damage. Yeah, I think this is super thematic. I think this makes a lot of sense. You know, when you shoot at Jedi, they're going to tend to deflect some of those back at you. Except Obi-Wan doesn't have deflect. I'm still in shock about that, Amon. This is not an Obi-Wan episode, and I'm not going to let you sidetrack me. I don't think he needs it, for the record. I read his card, but it was weird. The guy who likes to deflect didn't have deflect, but it's a design choice. I respect it. Yeah, I mean, Obi-Wan can't have everything, Jesse. I know you want him to have everything, but... Okay, okay. But yeah, Anakin can deflect. It makes a lot of sense, and he probably learned that from Obi-Wan. I'll give you that one. Yeah, the defensive stance. Yeah. I mean, it's going to come up occasionally, right? Like you can't control it. You can't plan for it. It's very powerful. Yeah. Out of activation damage. Yeah, it is powerful. It's really interesting because I don't know. I mean, I don't think this is going to be something that disincentivizes your opponent from wanting to attack you. Ultimately, yeah. I think when it pops up, you're going to be like, oh, that's nice. And when it pops up, they're going to be like, well, they get double punished, I guess, for not doing maybe enough damage and then also taking damage in return. But outside of that, I don't think it too much of an issue i just love that it happens like i know it's reactive but syntax of language it's just innate in the sense of like anytime you attack a jedi with deflect and you miss you're taking damage that's like a interesting permanent game state you know because i read this like they don't have to pay force they have to be a certain range they don't have to be this that or the other you know a lot of games have like things like are you in this range of a character can you pay this resource this is just it's just on the card you just got to remember it yeah for sure Again, like I, it's it's a nice to have, but like it's pain. It's gonna come up a lot. Pings of damage. What what I was saying earlier is like I think it's unfortunate for your opponent because not only are they probably gonna get a subpar to a poor attack, but oh, then also yeah, get damaged back in return. The theme is awesome though, where it's like one of your shots was just not good, and a Jedi's baseball batting that back to you. Mm-hmm. But Jesse, it wouldn't be a primary character without a identity, yep. and Anakin's identity in this situation is the iconic. This is where the fun begins. When a character in this unit wounds an enemy primary unit or enemy secondary unit after the effect is resolved, move the struggle token one space toward your momentum tokens. Then if the wounded unit is a primary unit, each allied Galactic Republic character <laughs> may recover. Ooh, this is powerful. This is like some Steve Avengers leadership nonsense right here. You know, as it should be. Like, this should just be something that players buy the core set, and they buy a bunch of Republic stuff, and they build a list that's a bunch of Republic stuff, and they make Anakin work, and they get rewarded for that. Yeah, I also think it kind of, I don't want to say shoehorn, but heavily incentivizes a play style where Anakin is wanting to go and fight other big-named characters, which again is very core to what Anakin would do in general in any show or movie you'd see him in. But we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the unit as a whole, but it's, it's a very exciting ability. Because you're doubling down on the fact that Anakin wants to end this, right? By being able to attack so many times, being able to put himself in a situation where he can wound an enemy character and then get doubly rewarded for it. Because when you wound any unit in the game, you already get to advance a momentum token. With Anakin, you get two. So you get two attacks and you get double the incentive to attack in general, which is great. And again, is very Anakin, to be honest. Yeah, he's very aggressive. 
it's not it's not the typical jedi way but it is what it is but yeah i find this just a very easy and strong identity to play around when you first start the game and that's good i really think that's genuinely genuinely good but i'm on we got to move on because that's all of his abilities that's right we're gonna go to his stances next and so he's got two stances as befitting all primary characters we have form five gemso and form five Xian. so we'll start with gemso that's right so anakin has five defense for ranged and melee attacks and he has no range attack profile because he is wielding a lightsaber. But when you do get him into engaged range, he's swinging eight dice at you. Ooh, hefty. Scary. Very scary. Now, looking at his expertise, as you can imagine, it's all about damage. When Anakin rolls one expertise, he gets a free crit. When he rolls two to three expertise, he gets two crits. And when he rolls four plus expertise, he gets three crits. It's very scary because it means basically expertise results on his dice are just extra crits. You know, his dice are just better. Well, that's Anakin, right? Like yeah. when his ex his expertise is that he's really good at taking the enemy down. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in this form, which is his, it's where he does the big swings. You know, we see it, his fighting style. He's got those big two-handed swings, right? So you're getting hit by the lightsaber and you're taking a crit or two or three. You're for sure taking some crits and crits, as you know, are unblockable. In terms of like a block doesn't negate a crit outside of, you know, maybe defensive expertise. Correct. Now going to his defensive expertise, we have, I guess it's called defensive form. So if you roll one to two expertise, you get a block and you turn an enemy crit into a regular hit. And then three plus expertise, you get two blocks. And then you turn an enemy crit to a regular hit. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's not like the best we've seen, but it's it's very fair. Absolutely. Now going to his damage tree. <laughs> this is where things get really interesting. We talked about Maul dishing out a lot of damage. Well, Anakin can also dish out a lot, a lot of damage. So his starting tile or spot on the tree is just flat three damage. So if you ever get any sort of hit through, even one with Anakin, you're guaranteed three damage. Yeah, that that dim, dim so. Yeah, you're hitting hard. Mm-hmm. Now, if you make it to the second tile, guess what? More damage. I see a theme. Right. But think about it this way with Anakin. It's actually incredible. You get two hits on every one of your attacks, which is fairly average in this game. Two hits to go through and you're dealing five damage. Yeah. And if you double tap, that's 10 damage. Exactly. So Anakin has a very consistent ability to just double tap people. That's wounding a model. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. Yeah. It's very nuts. And then now if we make it to the third tile, we're going to get a strain, which is very impactful in terms of a condition. I mean, they're all very impactful, but strain is particularly deadly, in my opinion. Yeah. And two more damage. So <laughs> we get seven damage in the first three tiles and a strain, which can potentially deal another three damage. Look out, Darth Maul. Anakin's already doing 10 damage, in theory, off his first three tiles. From there, we're going to jump to two different options. If you go up, you can jump and deal a damage. Or if you go down, you can pin an enemy fighter and then deal a damage. Yeah. And then from there, shoving a damage and then a reposition and a damage Ooh. because he's probably already wounded you at that point. That's right. And he's moving on to the next. Yeah. Even if he didn't wound you, he gets repositioned. So he gets to get out of that engagement range, right? So if he wants to, which is very cool. My first thought when I read this Amon is a lot of damage. And how cool is it that Ahsoka can soft counter this in some way? She can have it and then hit it back. He trained her. I don't know. It's very cool. But the fact that he can go through his whole tree and deal 
10 damage? 10 damage and a strain, which can potentially be 13 damage. Crazy. It's it's amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's a, I think he's a core set character that's not going away. Yeah, he's definitely going to be... If you like aggro, if your style is to... You want to roll a lot of dice. You want to be able to flip units. You, you know, I say flip with air quotes. You want to be able to take him out. Anakin's your guy. You're going to play Anakin arguably. and Maul. You could do that and then... And just win struggle one and two and just be done. That's right. We've seen Django's card. You could probably throw Django in there, do a bunch of cool stuff, and you have all the damage dealing potential in the world. What I also like about the mention that you made with Ahsoka is they both have deflect, right? So it's another example of she is emulating whatever Anakin has taught her. I love it. So you're probably thinking like, well, why do we even need to go and talk about the other form? Well, it's cool. as per use, it is also cool in different ways. So we're going to go to form five Shien. So in this example, again, Anakin does not have a range attack, but he does have a melee attack with one less die. It's seven dice. But the interesting thing here is that his defense, both at range and at melee, go to six. And so we've seen this a lot with primary characters where we'll have one very aggressive, more damage output, less defense, and then more of a balanced or heavily defensively favored yeah. stance. Yeah. So this is Anakin's, quote, balanced stance, right? Yeah, this is where Anakin's doing the the double grip and he's doing the defensive blocking stuff we see him do. Very akin to his training from Obi-Wan. But this form is really cool, Amon. Let's talk about the expertise real quick. Absolutely. So lightsaber for offensive expertise. One expertise is a hit. Two to three, two hits, four plus, a crit and a hit. And then on the defensive form, for one expertise, we have a block and turning an enemy crit into a regular hit. Two to three is two blocks, turning an enemy character's crit into hit. And then four plus is three blocks with the same crit to hit happening there. So notable stuff here. The offense is basically all the crits are turned down to hits, vaguely. And then in the defensive form, it's just slightly better. You just have four up expertise to give you more defensive stats. So I like that it's like they're very similar with the first form, but they've obviously got ups and downs, you know, and of course the aggro, the damage being down, the defense being up. The interesting thing about Anakin is if you look at other primaries, the offensive stance that they have in terms of the two that they usually go through the dice that they're rolling is seven. Anakin's neutral or defensive stance is still rolling seven dice, which is other characters' offensive highs, right? So it's a great stance to live in because you're still rolling a ton of dice. Beat me to it. I was about to ask you the question. So I'm on, do I just need to live 60 to 70% of my time in Xi'an maybe? Yeah, I would say start the game in Xi'an. And then when you get to a point where you want to smack down. Especially for that double tap. Double tap, yeah, just move. Or get jump, do whatever you need to do to get where you need to be, right? I'm going to end this. Flip, flip to form five, swing, end it on form five. Now you can only flip stances once, so be smart because gotcha. then your Anakin's going to take you know the receiving end of whatever he needs to do. Now, granted, you could shatter point, and then finish maybe someone else off with form five, and then flip back to form five Shien yep. to get back in that defensive stance. There's a lot of nuance and options there, but just keep that in mind. If that if you're going to end the turn and gem so he might take more damage because he's rolling one less defense. Absolutely. And his expertise is less. Yeah. So let's talk about this tree, Amon. Be- guide us through this tree because I think this tree is exceptionally interesting. Way more interesting than the Jimso, even though the Jimso was amazing. How it's like, you're just, you're gone. You're out of here. You're aced. But this is- Evaporated. This is very interesting choices with the control. Yeah. It's a bit more, I would say- like, if you're trying to clear an objective token... Sustain. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or I think Form 5 may be a better option 
So starting out, two damage and a shove. So again, you know, getting someone potentially off an objective. And now this is where things get really interesting. If you take the bottom path, just the same vein of the objective clearing, you get another shove with two damage and then a third shove for one more damage. So yeah, you get three shoves and five damage just off the first three tiles. And then rounding out the tile, you get a jump with two damage and a disarm with a damage. So obviously the theme of damage is still fairly relevant here with Anakin because on that bottom tree alone, you're doing eight damage, three shoves, a jump, and a disarm. I mean, eight's not that different from 10, honestly. It's really not, because the only time where it would matter is if you're fighting a primary, which most primaries are nine or 11, but you're taking out a secondary most of the time. In Sheen. Well, in both, yeah, Gemso or Sheen, right, yeah. I do think Gemso is the more primary-oriented stance, or when fighting a primary. Now, if we... To finish off Form 5 Xi'an, we go up. This one's a little bit more interesting because this allows Anakin to get himself out of a tight situation. So shoving two damage is the starting tile. We go up, it's a recover, right? So remove a status condition or remove a damage and then a reposition. So maybe you can get out of dodge while still dealing two damage, then two recovers, and then a shove and two damage. So while you're only doing six damage on the top, you're recovering three times getting a shove and a reposition. So a lot of utility and self-healing there. Yeah, my first thought when I see this, Simon, which we'll talk more shortly in the character summary, but it's like you could swap to Xi'an before you decide to do, I'm going to end this, and you could heal yourself up and stuff, right? And like you could really like round out that turn in an amazing way. And I say you could you could swap to Xi'an because you still might wound them regardless, right? You might've already just teed them up with, with, with Jim So, and now you're like, okay, I'm probably going to wound them but might as well get some shoves or some heals before I wound them. Yeah, if you were to start the game in Gemso and your opponent maybe has a character or a unit that, in addition to advancing, was able to jump or dash, then you could then have Anakin jump and advance and then attack and then you know do what you said he could do, which is really interesting. What I really like about this as well is if Anakin's going to take incremental damage as he advances up the board and you already know or maybe you're attacking a character that has already been damaged so you don't really need to do enough damage or a lot of damage rather. Yeah, yeah. You can take that upper tile, tree, path, and heal. Yeah, and you're and you're now in that defensive form for your opponent's like response, right? Everything you just did. So I, I think it's very cool. So what's the character play style summary, Amon, to round out Anakin here? yeah. Anakin, for better or for worse, is an offensive powerhouse. And to me, it does kind of shoehorn him into a one-dimensional playstyle. Now, it's a good playstyle, and it's one that's interactive, one that's fun, one that's going to get you to interact and take down enemy Love that. units, right? But it is straightforward. It's, it's, I think the skill ceiling for Anakin isn't very high, because after a while, your opponent's going to know, well, Anakin's probably going to try to kill my secondary or primary character. Yep. So maybe I feed him supports to reduce his efficacy and his ability to accelerate the game state through momentum tokens, through his identity. And then also like, yeah, Anakin's just going to hurt people. It's what he does, right? So pretty, it's pretty straightforward, honestly. I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do and he's going to do it really well. I think he's one of the more consistent characters we've seen in the game thus far at doing what he, at doing what he does, quite honestly. So very cool. We'll talk more about him at the end on the, on the box summary, but I'm on, it's time to get into Rex. It's very exciting. Yeah. Rex is very cool. Rex is a fan favorite character. So lore on Rex real quick. He was designated by the Kaminoans CT7567 
He, of course, was a very seasoned veteran soldier, clone captain, clone commander, recon commando. He commanded large portions of the Grand Army of the Republic's famed 501st Legion. And in later years, he served as a captain and commander within the Rebel Alliance during the Galactic Civil War. What's super cool is since he is the captain of the 501st, he served second in command to Jedi General Anakin Skywalker, which we just talked about. And what's super cool is through the events of Clone Wars, you see him and Anakin and Ahsoka bond very naturally through the show. They're very kind of unsure of each other at first, and they all respect each other's tactics and learn how to work best with their personalities and their tactics as the show and the war goes on. Of course, Rex is kind of special because though all the clones were the same DNA, they all end up being a lot of different individuals, and Rex ended up being one of the most intelligent and standouts of the entire clone group. And in fact, you know, Rex bypasses Order 66, and he also lives many years in the future, way past like the Rebellion area. So it's like he's one of these characters where his prowess, but also matching his love of his friends and his men under his care. We talked about this with Anakin, right? He's one of those leaders that truly cared for all of the men under his command. And I don't know, I think this makes him a great leader, right, Amon? Because not only is he a great tactician, but he also cares about saving every life he can. And of course, he helps the Republic win major battles in the Clone Wars. And he's kind of known as one of the greatest commanders in the Clone Wars. Yeah, 100%. Rex is a obviously very deadly with that, you know, akimbo play style here where he's right. dual wielding blasters, which is which is sick. I think Rex also looks super cool because he's got that distinct customized armor with that cool shoulder pad flare. And the helmet. And what the markings. Yeah, the helmet with the kill count and everything it's sick yeah he was one of the first times where i saw like a clone being more unique as a clone absolutely and i think obviously you do that for story purposes to make him stand out but he kind of paved the way for characters like the bad batch and stuff like that because rex had a personality he was unique he wasn't cookie cutter and ultimately like ends up making decisions for himself and prioritizing his personal relationships alongside his duty which is cool and I love his relationship with Ahsoka. Yeah, him being such a great soldier is awesome because he completely pushes against that too when it doesn't make sense, you know? And I don't know, I, he's a very nuanced character. You would not think so as much without like digging into his lore and like knowing his full story, but like he is a truly one of the deepest characters in the Clone Wars era. And fun lore tidbit here, I'm on. His markings on his helmet and stuff are an homage to, you know, Mandalore and like of course that Django was like the progenitor of all the clones and Rex has got those unique markings on his helmet of course the kill count you mentioned but I'm I'm more referring to like the outline of the visor yeah it's he is referencing his Mandalore core you know it's very cool and man leading the 501st is a big deal because they are a elite group that continue on past the Clone Wars of course the Empire has the 501st going forward because they are Vader's number one group so this is a serious squad that Rex is leading, of course. But now we can talk about Rex in Shatterpoint, which is very exciting. And what does he bring to the game? So we talked about Anakin has only seven points to work with. Interesting, right? So Rex is four points. Come on. Yeah, so we can imagine already that the clone troopers will be three. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the homage to Mandalore and <laughs> Django. It's so obvious now that you say it, but I never put two and two together. Another thing with him too is he kept his, we get a whole clone lore here, which I find very cool, but like, you know how the, the phase one clone troopers have more of the Mandalorian style helmet and then the phase twos are kind of a midpoint between a Mandalorian helmet and a, 
a stormtrooper, right? So Rex ended up keeping his phase one helmet like through a lot of everything, you know, and he, and when he upgraded to his phase two, of course it's an upgrade, but it's, it still kind of retains some of those roots. But yeah, then the, the markings like the, yeah, he's not a Mandalorian, but he, you know, a DNA, you know, it's, it's cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, technically Django isn't from Mandalore, right? He is, but that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. Is that canon? Is that, is that legends? We'll, Let's do another we'll time. Get that in the Jan- we'll get that in the Django episode. Don't worry. Sure. Sure. Okay. So going to. <laughs> Captain Rex. Yeah. Also known as CC7567. That's right. Four points. Pretty fair. I think every secondary we've seen so far is in that realm of four points. Yeah. Zero force, which makes sense. Now, jumping on to his durability and stamina, he's got a durability of two and a stamina of nine, which is fairly in line with, again, what we seem to be most secondaries. secondaries. Nine is, is I think, on the higher side because nine is kind of like the lowest primary we've seen so far very cool now if we jump to his unit card yeah those abilities yep we're gonna see a tactics ability called get a move on soldier at the start of this unit's activation choose a character in this unit which means himself or another allied galactic republic character nice the chosen character may dash and may gain hunker now who is a galactic republic character that we just spoke about (laughs) Anakin Skywalker. That's right. Synergies. Yeah, I love this Galactic Republic and not just clone because this opens up a lot of future design and development space because there's a lot of members of the Galactic Republic that are not clones, you know? And so AMG did mention that a lot of the early releases were going to revolve around this Clone Wars time period. And it makes sense because obviously like it's the medium that we have seen the least on tabletop miniatures in general, but also like the art style is favoring it. So we're going to see a lot of I think we might see a lot of Rex early on because the fact that, you know, Jedi considered Galactic Republic, you know, clones. I- imagine clones, of course. And then, you know, maybe anyone else is, you know, maybe handmaidens. Who knows? Yeah, right? It's kind definitely. of exciting. Yeah. Well, moving on with his next ability, we have a active ability called defensive maneuver costs one force. Each character in this unit may dash. If any characters dash, this unit gains hunker. Yeah. So we kind of see that commander slash captain strategy where it's like you know you move and make sure you jump into cover and then i'm gonna move and i'm gonna get into cover as well nice. or in this case gaining that hunker token which means that you get one extra dice defense and you keep your hunker until of course you become engaged and then you lose all your hunker tokens now his next ability is a reactive ability which is called i'm always first kid which costs a force if this unit is not wounded, after an allied clone trooper supporting unit within range three of this unit makes a combat action, this unit may use this ability. One character in this unit may dash. If it does, it may make a five dice melee or ranged attack targeting one of the same enemy characters within range and line of sight. Wow. I mean, it costs one force, but you're getting an attack. Yeah, I would say more often than not, and a free attack and a dash huge in this situation is almost always going to be one force. Now, obviously, I guess in theory, you could spam this if you have multiple clone trooper units. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. For example, maybe the 212th. That's right. You know, but uh, yeah, it's really cool to see the synergies being baked in, obviously incentivized. But then the fact that the clone troopers that come in this box, the 501st clone troopers, they make an attack. If they happen to be within range three, Rex can not only move, but then he gets the dash first, right? So this dash can put him into range of maybe attacking that same 
enemy character, which allows him to pew pew and add more focus fire into a potential target. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I love that it's like focus fire, you know, just like all clones shoot on that target, you know, it's very cool. Yeah, it's also, a, a, I guess in this, for the purposes of this podcast, instead of saying double-edged sword, I'm going to say double-edged or double-bladed saber. Sure. Because you have to dash to be able to attack, right? It says one character in this unit may dash. If it does, mm. then you make a five dice attack. So if you're camping a point or you're trying to contest a point, and disincentivizing an enemy character from just walking on the point and taking it from you, and then you have to think about it. Like, yeah, this is a very powerful ability, but I might have to move out of position to be able to use it. But you could just do like a lateral dash to proc this, right? If you have to. If you really want to stay where you're at. Yeah, you you could, as long as like, maybe if you're on one side of the objective token, you dash over, you're still within two. Yeah. But in those situations where maybe you get caught out or you didn't plan properly, yeah. it, could, it could maybe not come up. Or rather, you maybe just don't want to use it. What I find cool, though, is like this is like movement and attacks on Rex's turn when he's not even coming up on the on the deck, right? So it's like, I'm going with my 501st and my 212th clones. They declare a target. He dashes up. He shoots as well. And then I pull his card, and now I can shoot again on his turn and then move back or something, like on his turn, right? It just gives him a lot of options of order of operations, and I find that very cool. But moving on, Amon, he has two more innate abilities, the first of which is Bring It On Clankers. After an allied clone trooper unit within three of Rex gains a hunker, one character in that unit may recover. So once again, this is his super support leadership. He's the captain. We're seeing it in full force. And I find this very cool because this synergizes with some of his other abilities, right, Amon? Yeah, I mean, you effectively, what you could do is you can get a move on soldier, pick a clone trooper unit, have them dash then they gain hunker. Then the moment they gain hunker, as long as they're within range three, they can recover. So heal or remove a status condition. So it's it's actually quite powerful and can really help you retain unit efficiency while trudging up the board or I guess out of harm's way as well. Perfect. And then lastly, we have his last innate ability, which is Brothers in Arms. While this unit has one or more hunker, characters in this unit have steadfast. You remind us what steadfast is real quick, Amon. Yeah. So when a character has steadfast, Deadfast, they are not moved by the first shove effect from an attacking character's chosen combat tree. Yep. So we saw this with Bo-Katan, right? And now we're seeing it again in Rex. I find it very cool. It also incentivizes him to get all these, get a move on soldiers, defensive maneuvers in order, quite honestly, right? To get all his troops in position and kind of like hold their spots, you know, and then have their hunkers. And yeah, I mean, it means they're dug in, quite honestly, right? You're not moving them for the first push. Yeah, he, he's super dug in. I mean, Rex is, Rex is so interesting and and I kind of want to talk about some of the ways that you can play him, but I know that we have to kind of stick to order of operation. So let's jump to a stance card so I can That's right. gush over how fun Rex is to play. So Rex is really cool. He has a ton of dice that he can roll offensively. So his range five blaster attack and his melee attack both provide him with seven dice. And then defensively, he has five dice. Now, looking at his expertise for his DC-17 blaster pistol, if you roll one or two expertise, you get two hits or strikes, as they're known in Shatterpoint. I'm probably just going to say hits just because it makes it a little bit easier. If we go to three to four expertise, you get two criticals. And then if you get five up, you get two criticals and a strike. Five up's a lot. Five up is a lot, but the reason why he has that range is because he's rolling seven dice, which is like primary levels of offensive output. Yeah, and we kind of glossed over it, but you you just threw it out there, and I was just like, my jaw was dropped. I mean, range five, seven dice at range five, like 
it's just amazing. Like, I mean, seeing the range five ban on a character like this, I'm just, it's amazing. It's the max range. Yeah. And it's, it makes sense in Star Wars, right? Because everything has super far range. Of course. It's our MCP brains that are like shook, yeah. right? Uncommon. Because the game is played three by three, three by three. So we know that range five is like pretty much half the map, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, blasters, so. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's cool too because we've seen a lot of range four so far and doing this show. So to see a range five pop up like this says a lot. Yeah, and despite the fact that he might have some of the smallest guns thus yeah, far. Man, love it. Star Wars, baby. It's those ARC Trooper pistols. He's got them. Yeah. Speaking of those pistols, he also uses them in melee. So his melee expertise is also called DC-17 Blaster Pistols. One to two expertise is two strikes. Three to four is two crits. And then five up expertise is two crits and a hit or strike. Same as his ranged. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to use them. He knows how to use them well. Yeah. Finishing off his his expertise will go to his defense, which is phase two clone armor. One to two, one block, three up two block pretty average defenses right expertise but i would even say that it's below average which is actually makes it fair for him because he's got good defense dice he's, well he's got good defense dice but he, he can't spike into incredible defense right at the end of the day like he's shooting he's an offensive dude well and it's all balanced right because he's he's doing all these cool support things with hunkers and recovers and stuff like that so it's like it's more about his tactics than his like brute armor and stuff you know yeah and and from a design perspective like he's got to have one weakness right and so (laughs) it would be his i mean he's got great health he's got great offensive output he's got great augmentation and synergy (laughs) so defense needs to be the weak point well let's move to the most exciting part i'm on let's cover this tree and of course this form yeah the tree is very reminiscent of anakin where it's like you want to do a lot of damage there's a route for that and then there's also an ability to displace and heal so we'll start with damage because it's a little bit easier to walk through his stance card is called tactical supremacy so we've got two damage followed by two damage followed by an exposed in a damage and then a shove in a damage and then culminating in a reposition and a damage seven damage well seven damage with a condition and a displacement and then a reposition is pretty powerful now if you want to start at the bottom starting point because rex is cool and that he has two different starting points we're going to get a shove and a damage, a shove and a damage, two recovers, a pin and a damage, and then you end in that same spot with a reposition and a damage. So you're only doing four damage versus that seven, but you get some heals, some displacement. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like how different these paths are, you know, quite honestly. Yeah, I think what I like about games in general, which I've said this on Path of Glory and obviously on this podcast as well, is I like choice. It's one of my favorite parts about Shatterpoint is that every damage tree gives you that choice, right? And you get to see your roll before you go down the damage yep. tree. And so Rex is really fun because it gives you the opportunity for him to be more damage oriented or more control oriented. And I like that a lot because there's going to be a time and place for both. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a, he's a very interesting and strong character. So closing out our Rex discussion here, Amon, how are we playing a Rex? Yeah, I mean, Rex is fun. So obviously get a move on soldier gives him the ability to choose a character in this unit or another allied galactic republic character so he can just pick himself he can dash and then he can gain a hunker then he can use defensive maneuver and he can dash again and then gain another hunker so off the bat you can start rex's turn by dashing twice gaining two hunker if you throw in an advance in there he has so much movability like maneuverability it's awesome he's super mobile and then on top of that he can dash again 
with I'm always first kid. So you could potentially get Rex in a scenario where you have him in the middle of the board. Right. And then eventually when you activate your other clone trooper units, which, you know, is I guess the 212th thus far and the 501st, but then we also have, you know, those clone commandos coming in the future and other stuff like that who may have the trooper keyword. As long as they do, well, Rex can keep firing attacks over and over and over again. So if you're ever in the situation where you need attrition to kind of bail you out of a scenario, Rex can be that piece for you alongside Anakin. Yeah, almost free attacks, right? Just like out of activation attacks for Rex, throwing dice, they're going to spike. Yeah, and pretty much Rex is always going to be hunkered unless he's engaged, so he's always steadfast. Which is awesome. Yeah. He's not being displaced by range shots. Yes, and even when he does get engaged, he's still like, yeah, he's probably easier to like chew through. But if he gets to strike back, it's going to hurt you. Yeah, it's very good. Well, Rex is like this awesome super support that also deals a ton of damage. I'm super excited to like play him on the table. Yeah, and like honestly, if you don't want to run Rex with clone troopers, then you have a super mobile, high offensive output character that can just zip all over the board. And I think Rex is very capable of winning most one-on-ones versus other secondaries, if not supporting units as well. Very nice. Well... We would not be able to talk about Rex without our final piece today, our support unit in the box, the 501st Clone Troopers. So once again, we're going to do a lot of lore on the support units, but we will give you a little bit of flavor. They are called the 501st Legion. They are the 501st or the 501st Battalion in the Galactic Army of the Republic. They were later known as Vader's Fist because they do stay in commission through the Empire. Of course, they have the iconic blue markings, which kind of like a light navy blue. and since its first action in the Battle of Geonosis, they gained reputation as one of the best fighting forces in the entire Republic, often always achieving victory against overwhelming odds. A big part of this is the fact that they are commanded by General Skywalker and Captain Rex, typically why they win a lot. But they also were in some important battles like the Battle of Teth and the Battle of Coruscant. And they, quite honestly, in Star Wars lore and in pop culture lore, became one of the most well-known Clone War battalions of clones. And I don't think that's a stretch to say at all, Amon, that they are one of the most recognizable, notable, and frankly, the name people know a lot. I, I think a lot of people don't know the clone troop names typically in Star Wars lore, but they a lot of them know 501st <laughs> and probably followed up right by the 212th. So it's, it's awesome on AMG that those are the first two we have. Makes a lot of sense. Like I said, they became a major piece in Vader- Vader's battalion in the future, you know, 501st or with Vader, everything he does. Yeah, we get to spend a lot of time with the 501st, and I like that because you do get the more interpersonal relationships between the clones. Yes. You get those names, like there is a, for example, clone called Jesse. Great character. Right? And (laughs) yeah, he was, and it was tragic, really, because he's part of that troop that kind of dedicated themselves or honored Ahsoka through that painting her, I guess, face markings on their helmets. Which is, by the way, how I'm going to paint my 501st, FYI. So everybody else should do that too, because it's sick and it's sad and that's Star Wars. But yeah, it's cool. I really like the amount of detail that we get with this Legion. Like I'm trying to think of like, you know, Fives is another one, right? I guess Echo was originally 501st as well. Yeah, a lot of those ARC guys, those ARC trooper guys were like 501st and they became kind of ARC commandos and stuff after that. Fox was in the 501st early on. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like they are one of the battalions we see the most of in canon because, quite frankly, they are Anakin's battalion. As simple as that. But Amon, let's move on to the 501st Clone Trooper Support Unit and Shatterpoint. They have a squad point cost of three. 
force of zero. They have a stamina of seven and a durability of two. And their keywords are 501st, Clone Trooper, Galactic Republic, and Trooper. Yeah, off the rip, I think in terms of a supporting character stats, seven is fairly average. Yep. Two durability is average as well. So nothing to really write home about. But again, like in theory, they're nameless clones. So, I mean, you can name them. I'll name one of them, Jesse. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> hey, you can find Jesse's markings on that last season seven. Yeah, probably do one of them. That yeah. Way. Good idea. That's right. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. Awesome. <laughs> and so <laughs> going to their unit card, they have their first active ability, defensive maneuver. Cost, one force. This is going to look familiar, Jesse. Yeah. Each character in this unit may dash. If any characters dash, they gain hunker. Seems like the clone way to do things is dash and dig in. Set up. Yeah. You know? No, it's it's true, right? Like we've always, generally when we see clones, it's more of an offensive engagement. Like they're attacking a droid area. That's right. Or droid planet or whatever. And so droids are shooting, jump from cover to cover, hunker down, take your pod shots and then move. It's so thematic. It's awesome. I love it a lot. But moving on with their card, they have a reactive ability called Coordinated Fire, and it has the strain symbol next to it. So let's see what that means. So when a character in another allied Galactic Republic unit makes an attack as part of a combat action, notably a combat action, so not be one of those reactive things, before dice are rolled, this unit may use this ability. If the targeted character is within range five of a character in this unit, the target enemy character gains strain. Yeah, so... It's the idea of that clones are like shooting and supporting you, whatever your engagement is. I like the delineation you made that it must be a combat action and not one of those free five dice attacks. Like, for example, Rex has. Or I'm always first, kid. Now, this is cool because strain, I think, is probably one of the more impactful conditions out there. Though, as I play the game more, I'm scared of all of them. That's right. And And I do feel like pinned is particularly brutal in some situations. Well, they all are, but pinned. Pinned and strain upset me. So... Strain is good because what it does is it effectively makes it to where your opponent kind of has to clear it. Yep. Otherwise, what are they they're going to just take three damage yeah. when they make an action. Yeah. It's very good. I, I like that it's like just them being on the table. There's a threat of this, you know, stacking up over again. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on where they are on the board, right? It's like half the board range. Yep. If they're on the left side or right side, they can cover their side in the middle. But if you stick them in the middle, they can potentially strain everything. That's pretty cool. Last ability here is a innate ability similar to Rex's called Brother in Arms. While this unit has a hunger token, characters in this unit have Steadfast, which is actually fairly relevant if you think about supporting unit characters. They tend to be characters that once you've kind of established a zone of control, like your supporting characters are generally going to support your secondary and your primary characters with advancing on and claiming objectives okay. or knocking your opponents off. So you kind of want them in this weird space where they're like in between your home objectives, which are the ones closest to you, and then the middle board. And having steadfast is great because it allows them to stick around a little bit longer in that supporting capacity. Yeah, and I love that they have the exact same ability Rex does. So it's like if you're playing Rex and these guys right, you've always got hunkers, you've always got steadfast. You know, you you're always doing what you need to do with them. And that leads right into the end of their card, Amon, where we're gonna talk about how do we play the five first troopers. So it seems like to me, they like to be dug in. And they like to be benefiting from all these abilities like coordinated fire and brother in arms. Because if if they're set up in the best spot and they're dug in, this stuff's kind of happening for free, right? It's just happening, which is what you want with them. Because, I mean, you want all their abilities to trigger. Yeah, the best way I would explain to play the clones was, especially if you're using the core box terrain 
is they're going to have a gantry, right, somewhere. Well, throw them up on a gantry. Don't be too aggressive with them. So not only are they going to get benefit from hunker, but they're going to get benefits from cover. So they're going to be pretty hard to take down, nice. right? They're going to have a lot of defensive dice. And from there, they can continue to provide supporting fire. Now that you have obviously coordinate fire that gives you that strain, but then also like, you know, you get two shots with them. If we go to their stance card here, which is advanced combat training, it's not too bad, right? Like I think the 501st, like their leader, like their general, are very aggressive. So range five, seven dice is awesome for support. Five defense also at range. Same as Rex. Same as Rex. Now, if we go to melee, that's where things get a little bit less exciting. Five dice and four on defense. But the idea here is that park them in a spot and use them like a turret. Keep shooting and shooting and shooting. Now, just to go through their expertise very quickly, DC 15A blaster, one to three on ranged expertise offensively is a strike. Four plus is a crit. Pretty basic. Nothing really to write home about. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're just regular clone guys. Then, of course, we go to their melee attack, which is a bash. As long as you roll one expertise, you're getting a strike. It's But that's it. It's fine. It's not great, but it's something. It's something. And then we have the phase two clone armor, which... Familiar. Like Rex, yep, is familiar and is a little lackluster, for lack of a better term. One to two is a block, three plus two blocks on expertise. Yep. And then we get to their actual combat tree. So they're going to start by pinning the enemy, which makes sense. You Love know. it. Strong. Yeah, As the yeah first if you ability. really think about it. Yeah, they're just dishing out conditions. Strain and pin, which are the actually inadvertently I mentioned, are the two <laughs> conditions that I think are the strongest. Okay. Is really good. What I also like too that like they're gonna get this off often because it's the first thing in their tree, right? So like you've almost got to think of them as laying down fire and holding you down, right? Like from range, right? And you're not moving up the table because they're raining so much fire on you because they're dug in and they're shooting at you. And I, I find that a very cool control mechanic, quite honestly. They got baked into their kit. I agree. Now, cool thing is, is that there is a little bit of synergy with Anakin and Rex as well, because they can both pin on their trees. And even if you're making multiple attacks or shooting at the same unit, remember that they share the same damage tree. So if the first one gets the pin off, the second one, well, if a unit that you're attacking already has the condition you're trying to put on them, they just take a damage. Awesome. So you can just read this as a damage as well, if you're attacking the same target and they're already pinned. Now, the second tile is two damage, which makes sense. And then from there, it's either you pick the strain, which again, could be reading as one damage because, you know, coordinated fire could have strained them already. And then if we continue on the, I guess, bottom tree for lack of a better term, where it does not branch off, then you get reposition and a damage and then you end with two damage. Five damage total. Yeah. Five damage total, two conditions and a reposition or potentially, right, seven damage if they already have those conditions. Of course. Because they'll be like, the way that I like to look at these multiple character units is in theory you kind of want to keep them together and they're probably attacking the same unit got it now if we go back to the second tile which is pin and then two damage you can take a upper root so then you can shove and then you can recover and then end with two damage as well so offers use the ability offers you the ability to have that displacement and that healing as well yeah it takes it down from five damage to four but gives you more options right so nothing wrong with that so we kind of talked about their tree and how to play them. Honestly, like they want to be dug in. They want to be getting the best benefits of all this stuff. So now we get to do the fun part of on at the end of our strategy of this entire box, we get to summarize all three of the units in tandem and how they work together. Yeah. So 
obviously the most straightforward way is to just like attack everything with Anakin and Rex. And then keep the clones by Rex, right? As long as they're within five of, well, I guess ideally you'd want them three. within three. Yep. So as long as they're within three, they can get the benefit of Rex getting some extra attacks in. But if you kind of want to keep them protected a little bit, just make sure that they're within range five of the target of Anakin and Rex, which allows them to add some strains and puts additional pressure on your opponent. You're getting those hunkers out. Yeah. And then, of course, you're just spamming hunkers on your boys. Rex is kind of actually the most interesting piece because he is the biggest enabler, whether he can enable himself or Anakin, because Anakin is a Galactic Republic character, or, of course, the clones as well. But yeah, what's really interesting about this box is that you have this ability to be super offensive with a crap ton of damage, but every single one of these characters' damage trees has the ability to be like can change from straight trying to eliminate something to trying to claim an objective. Yeah, versatile. Yeah, you get those shoves, you get those conditions. They all have access to recover, right? Which is pretty cool. It's a theme amongst the unit or the strike team itself. And then they can all reposition as well. So it's it's really interesting, honestly, the way that they've been designed. I love the synergy they have as a whole, right? It seems like they really work together quite well. Despite Anakin being able to go off completely on his own, do his own thing, that's a route you can go. But at the same time, them all, all together is a different animal entirely. And I also do like, too, that like Rex and the clones work so well together and Anakin can go off on his own and like maybe chase down a primary or secondary that's maybe trying to get away or, you know, pivoting a different part of the fight. And I don't know. I, I, I think like Rex and the clones have more control than you would think, you know, on top of consistent damage. Completely agree. I like the fact that they work wonderfully as a team. I like the fact that they can all operate independently and fulfill the same roles. Mm. It's it's fun to see the synergies there. And while I do think that a lot of it can be straightforward, I like that they baked in those options and choices to make it fun when you're not necessarily just trying to melt everything you come across. And and it's also interesting because like dice are dice, man. Yeah. So maybe if the dice aren't working on your favor, then just start shoving people, control them. It's like throwing an MCP, yeah. right? No, it's it's very cool. And the shoves are really, they add up. Several times I've talked about what I think is going to be one of the more powerful things in this game, where it's like multiple shoves followed by a pin that puts a bow on the package. You know, It's like, oh, not only did you get displaced a lot, but you also got pinned. And now it's going to be really difficult for you to get back to where you were at, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes that's quite better than just damage. you know. And I love that the game has options. And like you said, like Amon's been saying since this show's inception, where it's like, you're going to know how many successes you have before you make decisions on your tree. And we know from the rule book that you don't even have to execute a tree all the way to the number of successes that you've achieved. You can stop at any point as well. So I think the nuance of players making decisions is is very broad, quite frank, where it's like, not only do you have multiple paths of the tree, but you can also stop. And then on top of that, the multiple paths of the tree... Sometimes they're just a bunch of damage, sometimes they're a bunch of conditions, and sometimes they're a bunch of displacement, right? And you've got to make the decision on which path you want to go and where you want to end up. Yeah, completely agree. Well recapped, Jesse. But yeah, this this box seems really fun. I feel like I feel like the strike team as a whole is able to again deal a lot of damage, but then also reposition, which is which harkens back to how they function in the Clone Wars. They just move from objective of objective, obliterating everything in their path and try to win the game. <laughs> yeah, and Rex presumably only gets better the addition of more clones in your two squads right where it's like there's just a lot going on especially if you have clones with galactic republic synergy on top of that which we we would probably assume that all the clones are galactic republic but we don't know 
And so it's like all the synergy of Galactic Republic stuff, clone synergy, and it's really making you, when you bring this thematic list, it's like all Galactic Republic members and all clones, presumably, like that Anakin Obi-Wan list, which I'll be playing a lot early on. It just works. It just works well. Everything plays nice together. Everything does play nice together, and it's exciting. What I'm actually really curious to play with is like maybe Anakin and Obi-Wan as a secondary from the dual pack. Absolutely. That's going to blow my my brain what that is. But also, like I, I guess this is a time to talk about as, as any I'm on. Like, this is where the fun begins. I also think it's very cool. We've seen like all the triggers off of Rex and the clones, and now we add in the element of Anakin wounding primaries and secondaries, moving the struggle token to benefit you to win the game. But also, if it was a primary unit, each Galactic Republic character may recover. Each. I mean, it's right there, but I mean awesome yeah if anakin does what he's supposed to do like you have additional healing and again we've talked about like how much healing this this unit has this 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 team has right well it seems like healing is like a very unique aspect of this game that a lot of these games don't have and so even if there's ways you can edge out more healing through things like this is where the fun begins it might just win you the game because it seems like all players have access to healing of course through basic actions and abilities but if Anakin gets if Anakin gets cooking with gas, a lot of triggers are happening. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of triggers are happening. And again, like this team is is consistent, right? Like they're going to consistently be able to take the fight to the enemy and win objectives. And I like that a lot because it's reliable. And people might think it's not as interesting or not as fun after they get maybe their first twenty thirty games in. Gotcha. But to be honest, it's tried and true, and it works. And and I and I do like that about this team is. I can see myself, or at least I can see Anakin be on the table for a while. He will. As he should. As he should. Well, Jesse, I think that does it for this box, air quotes, if you will. So three-fourths of the way through the core box, still got plenty of time before Shatterpoint hits the shelves. So if we didn't hit the box that you wanted to talk about in this episode, don't worry. We've got Asajj and her team next week. And then, of course, we're going to get into some Dooku and Obi-Wan action. Super I'm exciting. so excited about that. Those two boxes. Should we just name the Obi-Wan episode Jesse? No, no. <laughs> That's such a fake modest no. It's really not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, w- I would take uh, either one of those boxes, you know, likeness. Maybe yeah. I'll be Dooku one day. More that look, you know. Yeah, Dooku's sake. Chris Lee. Chris Lee is great. He's the greatest. Yeah. He's a good Saruman too. Well, before we jump down another rabbit hole, I guess. This is a great way to end the episode, Jesse. So I want to give a quick Patreon shout out. Hello There is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Hello There patron by going to patreon.com slash hellotherecast. And then, of course, I want to thank our producers who have finally brought balance to the force, much to my chagrin. We have Emperor Kevin and Rusty, the Jedi survivor. Thank you, producers. And of course, if you want to get, get access to our patron discord and access to the bonus feed with bonus episodes check out the patreon tiers of course you can find us everywhere online you can find us on twitter facebook instagram and twitch all at the same place yes it's hello there cast you can also email us at hello there cast at gmail.com if you need to reach out and you can leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice it really helps us out if you can't support us monetarily this is the way you can support us is by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a review that's all you can do that's massive and we really appreciate it absolutely Thanks to your Patreon support and your listens, we've been able to get some cool stuff like this mic I'm using right now. So (laughs) 
Just had to give another quick shout out and thank, thank you. you, patrons. Speaking of great audio content, also want to give a quick shout out to Lofiel, who kind of came up with the music for our podcast as well. Thank you, Lofiel. Of course, you can find me and Amon on several spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, everywhere online. That's Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks, Discord, all at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. If you're interested in more Atomic Mass Games, miniatures gaming content, check out my podcast, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. If you're a Marvel fan or if you're interested in checking that game out, check out Fury's Finest. We make a lot of evergreen content about the game that you can pick up at any time and jump in and hopefully learn something about the game and Marvel lore. Aman, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Aman the Wargamer and of course on Discord, on most Shatterpoint Discords at Aman, Dark Jedi. You can also see me kicking up a storm on Longshanks as well at Aman Kusro. Right. And then, of course, I do a podcast about Warhammer Underworlds. It's called Path to Glory, and it's a podcast where we discuss competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. If you're interested in joining the hype train surrounding the brand new season release this past Saturday, you should definitely check us out and learn a thing or two about an amazing game. Amazing. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed another box discussion episode. Uh, it's really fun to like do all these characters every time we do these. I'm looking forward to every box in the future. I'm on like everything is just so exciting to me, lore and strategy wise. We're going to cover on this show and we have big plans. So we hope you guys will continue to join us on this journey. And if you haven't checked out the bonus episodes and you're a patron, definitely check out the bonus episodes on the Discord and on Patreon. Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone what we've named our bonus episodes, Jesse? Go for it, Amon. Go for it. You can hear us at the Candid Cantina. Welcome to the Candid Cantina. Everything where we talk anything Star Wars or whatever comes to our brains or just minis gaming, you know, going to a lot of different places with that feed. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. For a little sneak peek without giving too much away, we did a live lightsaber color quiz it was actually very long and kind of put jesse in some tough situations in terms of his moral compass but i think he ended up all right i think you learned a lot about me if you didn't already know that from one of my previous podcast feeds i think you probably already know what i'm like but you will definitely learn from that quiz what i'm like because there are some questions in that that i was not expecting him on slash didn't like they were like how would you execute a prisoner i'm like i don't <laughs> want to execute a prisoner at all yeah well, I, I was surprised reading the questions. I'm, I'll be taking the quiz on the next Candid Cantina, obviously, amongst other things. Can't so. wait. It's going to be yeah, so we'll fun. see. But yeah, it's been a fun exercise and just letting it rip, you know, and just trying new stuff. And also, like, lots of fun lore and strategy tidbits there that are come up organically, which I find very fun. But that's it for today's episode. We're going to return to these box segments very soon and even more content around the core set and, of course, expansions. But until next time, may the force be with you and bring on the clankers. So uncivilized. <laughs>